how God will work them back to where they need to be if they will follow the instruction. And he gives us that way back uh, in the text that we'll read. And so we're going to look for how to get back to where you need to be. How to get back. We're starting a new year. We're going to start something here, how to get back to where you need to be. Now, we do have Bible uh, reading uh, things out there in the hallway in the foyer, right? Well, somebody, uh, Rodney, would you run out there and get those? Let's see if we got them out there still yet. They, they should still be some. So I want, I, want to, I want to speak today on how to get back to where you need to be or how to continue where you need to go. Let's read this together, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 28. Yeah. Anybody doesn't have one yet? These Bible reading charts uh, kind of help you check them off. My wife has a better one. The reason I know that, she told me so. When your wife tells you something, it's, it's the way to go, right? It's the better idea. She doesn't like this one. She likes hers the better. So we're going to try to get hers out here and get it printed. Daily Bible reading. How to read through the Bible in one year. That's what this is all about. Okay. All right. Thank you, Rod, for doing that, for passing those out. Anybody else need one? He's got some here. He'll give them to you. How many speed readers we got? Any, any speed readers? I, I, can't, I can't comprehend when I speed read. I have, to, I have to think through and meditate on different words in the sentence for me to get, get fed by the Holy Spirit. So I, I, it's hard for me to read the Bible through unless I read on a Sunday afternoon maybe a whole book or something like that. That helps me. If I do that, I haven't done it in a few years. I feel guilty that I haven't. So I need to do that. I need to read, I need to read the Word. I need to be in the Word of God. All right, let's begin with verse 1. Woe to the crown of pride the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which as a tempest of hail and as a destroy, destroying storm as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down to the earth with the hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. And the glorious beauty, which is on the head of the fat valley, shall be a fading flower, and as a hasty fruit before the summer, which when he that look upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. In the day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. And for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink, are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in the vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. 
For with stammering lips and another tongue shall he speak to this people. To whom he said, This is the rest wherein ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backwards and be broken, ensnared and taken. Now Isaiah is the prophet to the northern kingdom here at a time when they were about to be judged. Isaiah is contemporary with the latter part of the, the northern kingdom survival before they were overcome by the Assyrians, and uh, we're doing that on Sunday night in Second Kings. We'll be uh, going finishing up Second Kings in the next few weeks. But this is a continuation of the prophecy concerning the trouble that they were in, and also he's speaking to Judah about the trouble that they were in. And they had just gotten away from the Lord and gotten away from the principles of the Word of God. If you'll remember what Josiah, the young king that came into power, you remember what happened? Hilkiah, the priest, he found the Word of God, and they dust the dust off of the Word of God, and he brings it up, and he said, Oh, man, we're in trouble because we're far, 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 far from the teaching of this book, the Old Testament Bible that he had in front of him, basically the Pentateuch. You know, in America today, we were at one time founded as a Christian nation, not all Christians that did that, but even those who were not Christians saw the need and the value of the Christian principles of life. I was just told, and I haven't read the article yet, but I got the article uh, about there's books out now to teach you how to become an atheist. A book, How to Become an Atheist. <laughs> I didn't think they needed much help. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's God's summary of the, the, atheist, the atheist. They haven't even have their own holiday, April Fool's Day. But the people of God had gotten so far from the truth of God, from living the Word of God, everything and anything would go. That's what happens in our day today, too. There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with that. Anything goes. And now... What you used to say that got an amen, now when you say it, it gets a question. Because we're so turned around in American society. Well, that was going on in the days of Isaiah. And by the way, that is the end cap to a civilization. I mean, when anything goes, that's just a sign of where they are in the cycle of a society. He talks about the crown of pride and the, the drunkards of Ephraim here. He talks about that wine had overcome them and caused them to be confused. In verse 2, he said, Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which is a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down to the earth with the hand. And what he's referring to in, in, in these metaphorical terms is that the Assyrian army is going to come and siege Samaria and conquered the northern kingdom. Judgment is coming because of their just neglect of the word of God and neglect of the truth of God. Now let me encourage all of us to stay true to the Bible and true to the word of God and when God gets enough of the heathen's ways, he will judge what's going on and you will be left standing and it will be all dissolved. That's just the way it works. I've I've studied that again as we have read, as we read through uh, 2 Kings in the last few weeks. Now God is speaking his mind to these people with no apology. And, and as I said, it's directed to the northern kingdom, but that, there's some things that we can learn. Look at verse 4. And the glorious beauty, which is of the head of the fat valley, shall be a fading flower, and as a hasty fruit before the summer which when he that looketh upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. 
And what he's talking about is the last of the fr- summer fruit. What they're, what they're experiencing here in Samaria is the final days of the blessings that have long been passed that are still there in their society. They're still reaping from those blessings. And I thank God that I am reaping the blessings of those who've gone before me. And I'm reaping the blessings of life, of, of living for the Lord, and, and the blessings that comes with that. And you are too. And he's talking about this. It's in the last part. He said the, the, the man has the summer fruit in his hand, the last of the summer fruit, and someone comes and takes it from him. The big lesson, the big lessons from the northern kingdom is judgment comes whether you like it or not, whether you understand it or not, and here are the things that it really comes to. It comes uh, because of pride. 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 You know, there's pride night at, the, at, at the, the stadium every year in St. Louis. There's pride this and pride that. And I, I hate to tell everybody, but there comes a time when God gets tired of your pride. Pride comes before what? Yeah, but if you'll read it, before destruction, then comes the fall, right? Pride cometh before destruction, then cometh the fall. That's James chapter 4, verse 6. And then God had Peter to say it too, so that we could hear it twice, that pride is going to bring us low. Pride keeps us from confession. Pride keeps us from repentance. Pride is standing up and shaking our fist at God and saying, I'm going to do it my way, the way I want to do it. But there's also wonderful lessons in the book of Isaiah here that we can learn from. I don't want to spend a lot of time on what I've just said, but I want us to get to where we can get to where we need to be. That's the title I gave it. Now, here's the lesson. If you look at uh, verse 9, notice what it says. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? There's that word doctrine in the Old Testament, isn't it? You know, I hear so many dis, just negative things about the word of doctrine. Do you? Have you heard that? I've heard people say, you know, I don't like that old doctrine. I like preaching, but I don't like doctrine. Have you heard that? I've heard that many times. You know what they're saying? I like preaching, but I don't like to hear truth. That's kind of odd, isn't it? I, don't, I like to hear preaching, but I don't like to hear teaching because doctrine is truth and doctrine is teaching. It's instruction. And so I I agree. When you want to live like you want to live and do like you want to do, you want to hear preaching, but you don't want to hear any truth that might confront sin in your life, that might challenge you to live more faithful to God. It's just better to enjoy a little preaching. Yes, that's what we got as our goal. So the question I asked after reading verse 9 How does God teach us? Notice verse 9 again. Whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Now, I'm going to give it Christian application today. I don't know about Jewish children today. I don't don't know. I haven't checked on that. But in in the era, Jewish children were not weaned until they were ready for school. Now, I re- actually read that. They were not weaned until, I don't know when they started. Hopefully, they started when they were three years old, right? I don't know the answer to that. But they were breastfed. And, of course, there was time everybody was that, right? And, and uh, now not, not as much. But he says, who am I going to teach? How am I going to teach? And he is saying to us, and we get Christian application from him because Peter mentioned it, and it's clear that there's a time in the Christian life when you first become a Christian that you're like you're nursing from your mother. God is feeding you and helping you. God is nourishing you with milk. And, you know, Paul even mentioned to, I think it was the Thessalonians, that we have, we have been a good wet mother to you. That's what he uses the term. We have been a good wet mother. And what that is is a woman rented to feed children. She's rented to feed children. And and Paul said, we have been feeding you with milk and feeding you with milk and feeding you with milk. And so, just as those Jewish children were were feeding off their mother's breast, 
There's a time in a Christian life when you, you feed off your mother's breast. God, the Holy Spirit. And God just enables you and strengthens you in that early time of your walk with Christ that nothing can get you. You're close to God. You feel close. Think about that little baby as she, uh, he, she or he is nursing off a mother and they build that close bond, right? And that's, that's real and I, I appreciate that. And, and that's great. But as a Christian, there's a walk time in our life when we first get saved that we feel so close to God. And what it is, we've we're just been saved and we're nurturing and we're, we're nurturing with God and He's feeding us and just helping us. And it's a practical lesson here to see that when we get saved, that's, that's what we start at. There's a period of time in the early stages of the Christian life that, that uh, you're just nourished by the Lord, the Holy Spirit. That's the early stage of the Christian life. Now, you know, I, I think it's a precious thing to see a mother uh, nurture her baby, nurse her baby. I don't want to see too much breath, though. How about you, right? Don't show me too much breast, right? But I think it's a precious thing. But what if that kid's 10 years old? Well, if a kid's 10 years old, it ain't pretty no more, is it? I think sometimes as Christians, we want to nurse till we're 10, 15, 20 years old off of God rather than growing up and having solid foods and learning to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, it's good to be fed by God in those early days of our Christian life, but then there comes a time that we've got to get ourselves in line to grow in Christ and to learn. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes you should desire the sincere milk of the Word. There's a time when the Holy Spirit does not nurse us the way He did in those early days of our walk with Christ, and now we need to get into the Word of God. Now, life was simple. Going to church was easy. It was fun. But now, life gets a little more difficult. And that's a good thing. We'd rather be on the nurse. We'd rather be just in that early stage. But see, God forces you to move on in the Christian life. You have to get nourishment for yourself. That's why it's so important for a person, a, a family, to teach your children to work to give them chores, to make them do stuff. And then to discipline them, if they don't do it, you, no, you're not going to do that because you've got to learn to work. And a person has to learn to provide for themselves. Now, how many are familiar with the eagle, how the eagle, mother the eagle, teaches her, her eaglets to, to fly? You know what she does? She takes them and drops them out of the net. She drops them out of the net. Now, I tell you what, she loves those little eagles, you can tell. Or she has a nature to love them because if they keep falling, she swoops down and they land on her back and she'll pick them back up again, put them in the, net, in the nest and give them another shot at it. Now, I, hey, listen, don't try that because the eagle is not perfect. Sometimes they hit and splatter. But then I've heard the story about that, too. We had an eagle preacher. Well, how many remember the eagle preacher? Man, that guy, I love that. But I remember him telling about the mother eagle. Uh, she'd always have some little eagles, eaglets that didn't want to get out of the nest. They would stay there. And she would pull the nest out from under them. And then they'd have to fly or hit the ground. You know, I think Christians are like that. I know we are. We, we don't want to get out and fly. We don't get out and learn. We don't want to grow. We, we want to just, we want to have it our way. We want it our coming, all coming in our direction. We want to live on that mother's milk that God gives us and go about our business like nothing. Now look at verse 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and are drawn from the breast. After that period, he goes on to say, precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little 
and there a little. So who is he going to teach knowledge? Who is he going to teach you and, and understand teaching or instruction, doctrine? Those that are weaned. Now I'm thinking of, of I'm thinking of some soldiers now. We got some fresh recruits all in line there. Let's just take a hundred because that's a good percentage to work off of. We've got a hundred good young soldiers standing in line, sharp. They look sharp. They're standing straight and erect. Ah, uh, man, we're ready to send them out to battle, and we're we're proud of them. They they're ready to go. They look good. But then they go into battle. They come back. There's not a hundred of them there anymore because some of them were lost in battle, right? Some, some of them, they're not as sharp as they once were. Uh, they, some cannot stand as erect as they once could stand. And as I said, some died on the battlefield. Which group deserves our respect the most, our honor the most? Those that look sharp, standing erect in line, that are recruits just trained for battle are those who have been battle-tested. Battle and the Christian life is that way. God wants us to go through the battles of life. He wants us to learn. He wants us to grow. He wants us to experience things that, that will challenge us, leave us wounded, even leave us wounded and leave us without limbs, spiritually speaking. But then there's honor for those who finished the race. Paul even said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. He said, I, he said henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Not for me only, for all of them that love his appearing. You know, he was at the end of the journey and God was using him to tell us that we need to fight a good fight. We need to finish our course. And there's going to be reward at the end of the line. We apply that to being a Christian. We need to go through the struggles and the battles. I love what he says on the book of Hebrews chapter 5. I want, I'll read it. We're talking about the Word of God in our life and how we learn it and grow through it. Hebrews chapter 5, four, verse 14. We could, we could uh, back up and, and talk about the, the, the word milk in verse 13. He said, And everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe in Christ. But verse 14 is my key point that I want to bring out. He said, but strong meat belongeth to them uh, that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now what Paul does in verse 14, he intermingles this ideal of taking in milk and then taking on meat. He intermingles that into growing up spiritually and becoming a mature Christian. Now I hate to break it to you folks, but there's some of us been saved for 40 years and we're not grown up yet. We don't like these meat sermons that might come. We like that sweet milk. That nourishing milk. And we need to grow up is what he says. He says strong meat belongeth to them who are full age. Even to them who for by reason of use. For by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So what God wants you to do is, is not just to be hearers of the word, as James would tell us, but be doers of the word and go on through life and try to stand at attention when you should and try to fight in the battle when you should and come back in and line up for report at church on Sunday and say, I'm here, I survived another week. And grow up in these things and grow up in this process and become a stable, a, 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 a stable Christian that can get beyond all the trash, get beyond all the drama of life and be a mature Christian that can be rewarded someday when we get to heaven. Who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, as a Christian, as a pastor, sometimes I, I, I think I live in Dramaville. You know what I'm saying? Not that I practice drama, but most of the people I deal with and try to help, they're still dealing with drama. Now, drama tries to knock on my door. I don't answer most of the time. 
But we've got to understand that's where we are and wherever we are, God wants us to grow through that stage to the place that we can discern both good and evil so that we can be a mature Christian so we can stand alone, but not stand where you want to. Stand where God wants you to be and stand up for the glory of God and stand up and show up for report on the Lord's Sunday. Boy, it's not very popular. Justin says, Amen. Hey, this Christian life is not to be, not to be lived on, on the nursing breast, but to get out into this world and learn. The Christian life at the baby stage, it's cute when you first begin, but you've got to get beyond that. If we have a 25-year-old that uh, can't read and, and can't write and uh, can't make decisions on their self, there's something wrong. And Christians want to stay there. I have a reference over in First Peter, First Corinthians, chapter three. Is anybody glad they came today? Say amen. He said, Paul said in chapter three to the Corinthians. How, how do we? What do we know about the Corinthians? Let me tell you what we know about the Corinthians. They were they were a great church in Paul's mind. He loved the Corinthian church. A lot of great things come out of the. Corinthians, but man, they were drama, 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 drama. They would argue over anything and everything. They'd fight over anything and everything. Oh, I'm, I'm of, I'm of Paul. I'm of Peter. I'm of uh, what, what Apollos. One would say, and then one would come here and say, "Well, I got y'all beat. I'm of Jesus Christ." <laughs> you hear how childish it sounds? Arguing and debating over junk. They, they had divisions. Remember, they were fussing and fighting over this, that, and that. And, and it brought up to the guy got with his father's, not his mother, but his father's second wife. And he started a relationship with her. And it was just immorality, sexuality going on. There's immorality in every way. There was homosexuality going on in the church. There was drunkenness going on in the church. On and on. We just, we could just read the book of Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians. Just read it sometime. And Paul would have to get on to them all the time. Get on to him all the time. That's why he wrote the two books. And you know what? He's dealing with a situation in Corinth much like what the average pastor deals with in a church today. Are we still glad we came? Notice what Paul said to him. Look what he said. He said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. He said, I've been feeding you this easy stuff, this simple stuff. Y'all don't even want that. You don't even get that. I've just been giving you milk, 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 milk. He said, and not with meat. He said, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither are you now able to bear it. He, he said, the only reason I haven't given it more to you, the only reason I haven't given it straighter at you, because you couldn't take it. Now, I'll tell you what, there ain't nothing in this world that aggravates me worse and, than a coach that would say to me, you can't take it. Anybody agree with me? Don't give me that. Don't give me that. You just stirred the fight up in me. Amen? Come on! It's self-destructive is what I am. But it gets you to where you need to be. But Paul, how dare you say that to me? Give me the truth. I wish we would do that. The Christian needs to enter and remain in the maturing stage of the Christian life. We've got to get beyond the, 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 the milk. We've got to get beyond the, 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 the baby stage. We, we've, got to get, we've got to get into the Word, and you're not going to get it if you don't get in the Word and be doers of the Word and be faithful to the preaching of God's Word and let the Holy Spirit speak to you in these services. Amen. I don't care who you are, and, and I don't care what your reason is. It still hinders you, doesn't it? That's what we have to be honest about. You know, I, I'm, you know, I've got times that I can't be at church and I miss church. That doesn't change the thing that I need to have that habit, that, that participation, that part. I need the Word. And I need it the way God gives it out, not the way I want it. Look at verse 10 in our text. For precept. What is a precept? 
Well, that's a French word, by the way. I got something. Uh, I got a good friend here in the service that's always showing me what he finds. I'm going to tell you something that you need to find. I, I found me years ago an old English Bible. It's the oldest English Bible you can find. And it's the best English Bible, English dictionary. I meant English dictionary. The oldest English dictionary I can find. And it helps you on understanding root words and where they come from. But let me explain to you the word precept. It's a French word. And it means a principle or a command or an order. It's an authoritative rule. And it says this, that the, the Ten Commandments could be called the Ten Precepts. It's amazing it mentions that in that old English dictionary. Ten commands. You know what the Ten Commandments are? They're principles. They're precepts to keep us in line, to keep us in the right place. Oh, the Christian's not under the Ten Commandments anymore. No, we're not under it. We're above it. Is that what Jesus said? Uh, you know, th those old uh, Pharisees were saying to Jesus, you know, I keep this commandment, I keep this commandment, I keep this commandment. So one of them came by and said, I don't commit adultery. And Jesus said, if you look upon a woman to lust after, you've already committed adultery. So he said, where are we going to be as Christians? We're going to be above and beyond all that. So next time someone says, well, we're not under the Ten Commandments anymore, just say, you're right, we're above them. We're to go beyond them. And we're not going to keep them completely, are we? We're going to fall short. Which reminds us of our need of the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ to cover our sins. Boy, y'all not having as much fun with this preaching as I am today. Are y'all sleepy or what's the deal? Or under conviction? What's the problem? I, I, I'm trying to help. All right. The Christian needs to be in the maturing stage. Verse 10, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here little and there little. Preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this. That the Holy Spirit took verse 10 to its fullest content. There would be 20 pages of it saying, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little, there little, precept upon precept, line upon line, here little, there little. It would just continue because you grow as a Christian as you learn little by little, precept upon precept, line upon line. You hear it all. Sometimes you hear it all, and it makes no sense to you, but the Holy Spirit starts to sort it out in your mind and in your heart. It starts adding up. It starts stacking up. It starts making sense. And you get it eventually, little by little, line upon line, here little, there little. That's the way you grow in the Christian life. You don't take your Bible and start in the book of Genesis and read it all through. And as a guy told me one time, uh, I said, are you reading the Bible? He said, no, I've done read the Bible. I said, my mind, you don't get it. You don't get it. Isaiah says to the people there, he says, you're untaught. You're untaught. And, and, and I'm amazed by how we are as Christians so untaught. But the reason we're untaught is because we haven't let the teacher take the Word of God and put it in our hearts. We've heard a few things here and there but we haven't heard the here and there enough. That's why you need the Old Testament. You know why the Old Testament is written? You know why we have it? He said that we might learn thereby. That's Romans 15, I believe, verse 4, that Paul said we got that Old Testament not to live by, but to learn from. Continuing year after year, year after year, learning this and learning that, putting it together, and then be endures of the word. How? Precept upon precept. Principle upon principle. Command upon command. General rule of God upon general rule of God. That's how we learn and that's how we grow beyond to being a self-sustaining Christian. And here would be the goal. Here would be the goal that we buy you a plane ticket. Maybe you and your wife a plane ticket and we fly you over some other place in this world and 
parachute you out. All you've got is your Bible and your uh, your spirit and, and what you know, and you plant there and grow. I don't plan on doing that with you, so okay. But that's the goal. That's the goal. You say, preacher, I get I get bored sitting in church. Amen. You know, sometimes I'm coloring the, the, the zeros in my as I'm preaching. It's, it does. Sometimes I'm preaching sometimes some things. I'm so tired of preaching this. I'm so I don't want to preach this. I don't enjoy everything that that I need to preach. But I don't need to preach what I enjoy. I need to preach what the Holy Spirit leads me to preach. And the reason it's led to be preached is because you ain't got it yet. Somebody hadn't got it. Verse 13, but the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go, and he says to fall backwards. And here's what the point is. He was teaching them the word of God that they would know why they're falling. And so we need to learn why. Am I falling down? Why am I messing up? It's because I need to learn God's Word. As slow as the process may be, we must stay in the yoke with Jesus, be faithful to the Word of God, the preaching of the Word of God. See, the Word of God is a template. You guys know what a template is? Ladies, you, you do sewing, you know what a template is? A template? It's a pattern that guides you and gets you to where you don't have to create it all over again. The Bible's a pre, it's, it's a template. It's a pattern of spiritual truth that we had together. How many of you, when you got saved, you got on fire and you enjoyed the Lord and you, you enjoyed going to church, enjoyed the, but now you're not even reading the Bible. You're not even reading the Bible. And then you're saying, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong right now. I don't know. Well, you don't know because you're not doing the basic things of the Christian life. You need to be in the Word of God, and you need to quit looking for God to feed you uh, through the breast milk and realize He wants you to plow in the Word of God and grow in the Word of God. And quit reading it just to read it. Study it that you might learn from it. And I'm trying to get y'all stirred up today, but it don't seem to be working. What we're doing is taking the words out of the, the Word of God we're taking words out of the pages of God's Word and we're putting them on the table of our hearts. And what we're trying to do, our goal is this, that we would walk around walk around, and people would look at us and say, there goes a Bible. There goes a Bible. Not perfect, but there goes a Bible. That makes sense? There goes a Bible. Let me tell you something, friend. Listen, there's not a course. There's not a course nor is there an emotional experience that you take that will resolve the problem of the need for spiritual maturity in our lives. There's not a course. And by the way, there'll be another course. There's always some kind of course going through. Experiencing God. You remember when that came through? Oh, man, this is going to be... We solved the problem now. I remember here. Oh, the problem is solved. Experiencing God. And there's been a thousand of them. I've watched this one come in and go out and this one go in and go out and I'm still preaching God's Word. Still saying that the answer is not a course. It's not in an emotional experience. Oh, they need to go over here. Oh, Holy Ghost moving over. Oh, yeah. No, that's not the solution. What 2 Timothy? What Paul say 2 Timothy 2.15? Study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you have a newer translation, it may get off track a little bit there and tell you sturdy. Well, that sounds like a southern person talking. When I say the word study, I mean study. I don't mean sturdy. Right? I, I looked it up, man. There, there ain't a better word than study. Study to show thyself approved to who? To God. A what? A work. Are you a workman yet? Are you a work? You ought to be. If you ain't, we got a job for you. Amen. We'll get you lined up in a job fit for you. 
A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. Well, if there is a course, there it is. But here it is. Here a little and there a little. Here a little and there a little. Let me tell you something. I could spend time with a new Christian friend. I could spend 15 minutes with them and tell, tell you what kind of preaching they've been under. I can, I can tell you where they're coming from most of the time. Because it's here a little and there a little, not all from one place. Enough said, enough said. There's no shortcut to a successful Christian life. And some of us would not recognize a mature, sacrificial, successful Christian life because we aren't, haven't been in the Word. It takes the daily grind. And some of us have been hiding in a high tower pretending that all is well and pretending that we are there we need to get out of our high tower and get down into the trenches and give application to the words that we have heard that it might pros prosper our soul. You need to get out of that place. You need to buckle your seatbelt in the will of God. Realize there's going to be hurts and disappointments and keep walking it, walking and walking it out. Hey, you say, preacher, I don't have an easy road. Hey, God doesn't promise an easy road. Just keep walking and walking and walking. Well, I'll tell you what I want. Preacher, I, wanna, I, I, I don't want any stress. I, I want to get out of this stress. I, I don't have any promises for you. Go sit at home. Don't go to church anywhere. And for a little while, there'll be no stress. And if you're not saved, it probably never will be. But if you belong to him, stress is going to catch up with you. It'll catch you. Lasso you. You'll be back or somewhere. Our goal is to be like those soldiers. We line up at first, all strong and straight, knowing the rules as we understand them. But the honored bunch is those that have applied the, the, applied the rules and learn that there's rules that you didn't learn there. Come on back in. Not standing as straight. Not being as sharp. But being a, a warrior. Now he talks about a rest and uh, refreshing in the text. And what he's talking about there is simply. There's coming a time that it's all going to be over with. It's, it's going to be settled. We're going to be in heaven. And then we'll be resting. When Jesus comes or when he comes to get you then we're going to rest. But till then, we're a soldier. We're a warrior. But I want to close with verse 16. I didn't even read that. Here's what I want to close with. He says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, he that believeth shall not make haste. Stand. Stand on that foundation. You know what? These Jews didn't get it. They still don't get it for the most part. But all God was doing was pointing to this, that the Son of God was going to come. And that Jesus was going to die on a cross in Zion. He was going to be buried and he's going to raise up and he's going to speak to them. Ascend back to heaven and be seated at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus Christ is the foundation, the stone that's been tried. This, he was tried through life. He was tried in the courts. He's a precious cornerstone. Now listen, folks. As a Christian, you're on a wonderful foundation of Jesus Christ. The apostles and the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God is a precious cornerstone. Back in the day, they built a house, there'd be a cornerstone. We, we got one here, we put it in the center because it's 
Let me tell you about the cornerstone, get to the point. Anybody that knows how to build a, a house knows that you have a cornerstone, not a stone, but a principle, a corner that you start and you build off that corner. You build this way, you build that way, you build everything. You keep that. What happens? What happens to people that don't know how to carpet? They move the cornerstone over here. You better make sure it's the same or you're going to be in a mess. Best to stay with the cornerstone. You build off that cornerstone. Folks, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, is our cornerstone. And we are to build our life on that foundation of Jesus Christ. A building brings honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we get it built? Well, the activities and the things that we do in our life, whether you be a carpenter or a manager or a server or whatever you are, a salesman, whatever you are, that life that you build on that cornerstone is to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and happiness into your life as best it can be, right? But what's the spiritual truth? Here it is. Precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. You're out there and you're, you're doing your job as a salesman uh, next Tuesday and, and somebody says something and you have an opportunity to do right or wrong and there's a precept that applies. Precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. And then you have another opportunity. You're, you're another person doing something in a job, and you have an opportunity to cheat or take advantage of a situation, and you do something wrong, and you're tearing down what you're building because you're not going by precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. See, not only do you learn the Word of God, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. You give it application, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. You don't have it all figured out, but you're figuring it out. How? Precept upon precept. Precept. Well, I'm having a big fight with my boss at work, and I'm about to lose my job. Well, what's the solution, preacher? Precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. And God makes it work. Our Christian life is to be built on the Word of God. We're covered with the blood of Christ. Sad thing, some of us are going to go to heaven having not built our house to where it should be on that foundation of Jesus Christ. And you know what's going to determine the difference? You want to hear it again? Because we haven't built our life precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. That's how you make it work. We don't need an experience and we don't need a course. We just need to build our life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little. There a little. You getting tired of me saying that? That's what the Bible is saying. It don't happen overnight. It happens over a period of years as we hear the Word of God and as we become a doer of the Word. You know what James said? If you don't become a doer, it does you no good. Amen? Amen. You need me to say it all again? If you don't become a doer, you're not going to be a beer of what you need to be. Give it application. When you come to church, think about what we're saying. Think about what's coming out. Think about what the Holy Ghost is saying to you. But when you get out there in life, take it with you. And think about it. And remember, it's precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little there a little. 
You got some empty spots in your Christian life. You got some holes in your faith. You got some things that are missing. There's some things you're doing right, but there's things that are obviously wrong uh, that others can see that you're trying to avoid looking at. You know what the problem is? You need precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there. You've given it here a little, but there's a little over there you need to do. That's how we grow in a Christian life. Let's bow our heads. Somebody said, I am so glad he said that. Listen, it all starts by getting on the foundation. Oh, we got people all on that foundation. There's so many of you on that foundation. Thank God most of us in this room are saved. We're trusting Christ as Savior. We're going to heaven. Let me ask you, what about those precepts? Are you adding them to your life? Or are you just trying to avoid it? Just kind of hanging out. I want to challenge you to start the year off with a commitment to learn precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Let's all stand with our heads bowed. If you need to make a commitment for the new year, I invite you to come to this altar here and just make that commitment to Christ. If you're not a Christian, we invite you to come to Jesus. you got some empty spots in your Christian walk. You just need precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. You say, we can't hardly make it. I'm not going to survive. What do you need? Precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here, little. There. Anyone else need to come today? Anyone be honest today before all and come to an altar and say, you know, I need to get into the Word of God. I need to get into preaching. I need to be more faithful to the Word and preaching and studying. You come today. Let's sing it out now. Just as I one that thy blood was shed for me, that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I You're saved on your way to heaven. Thank God for that. Love you to death. But if you don't follow through, it's going to be on you. And the goal is to follow through. All right, we've got to take off. I'm about to skip the offer. Got to do the offer.